Hi, it's Kensley. It is just me this week. Alyssa is having a really rough week, so we decided that she just needed the week off to take time for herself, but send her all the love because she totally deserves it, and she loves you guys a lot. But I couldn't leave you guys hanging just because it's only me this week. So I have a crazy case in store for you guys in this week's episode. Today we're covering a group of children that were treated so poorly by their own parents, and to this day, they are still being failed by the system. This is The Ugly Truth, and today we're covering the Turpin siblings. David Turpin was born in West Virginia, and he was extremely smart. He went to Virginia Tech University, and right after he got a job at Lockheed Martin, he was doing really well in his position. Also, he was doing really well financially. Louise Robinette was born in 1968 into, unfortunately, an abusive home. Her and her cousins would constantly be abused by their maternal grandfather in exchange for money, which... That just shatters my heart. Louise met David while she was attending West Virginia High School, but David was eight years older than her. But regardless of this, the two decided to run away together when Louise was 16 and David was 24. They ran away and eloped, which, as we know, this is extremely illegal. Louise was a child when this happened. So, rightfully so, Luis's parents filed a police report on the two of them, and they both returned to West Virginia. Luis's father let them stay together, though, and then once Luis turned 18, they got married again. David and Luis said it was because of their Christian faith that they had lots of children. They said God, quote-unquote, called them to it. So, between 1988 and 2015, They had 10 daughters and three sons. The firstborn, Jennifer, was born when Luis was only 18 and David was 26. Jennifer recalls that when she was about two years old, she witnessed her father yelling at her mother and punching the wall. And she said her mother had unpredictable mood swings, so Jennifer wouldn't know what side of her mother she would get each time she talked to her. And Jennifer actually went to public school for a little bit, but unfortunately, she would show up in dirty clothes with dirty hair, and because of her parents' lack of care for her, she had a hard time making friends. Jennifer attended school through the third grade until her parents decided to homeschool her. And homeschool, in this sense, is a very loose term. But after this, David and Louise never sent another kid to school. From 1994 to 1999, The family lived in Fort Worth, Texas, but in 1999, they moved to the neighboring town of Rio Vista. So David would start commuting to work at Lockheed Martin, so he didn't change jobs. But when the parents left the house, they would leave their kids home alone and just lock them inside the house. 
They even used the Bible to rationalize their behaviors, saying that if the kids didn't listen, they had the right to kill them. Spoiler alert, that's not in the Bible. In 2007, the parents moved the oldest 10 children to an isolated trailer on the property, leaving them to fend for themselves, while the parents stayed inside with the youngest three children. The children in the trailer were brought groceries weekly, but it was never enough to keep all of them fed. The kids would end up eating just plain ketchup or mustard to try and sustain themselves. During this time, David and Louise forced Jennifer to be the one to punish the siblings. She acted like, I guess, their mom in this situation. They forced her to lock her siblings in cages that the parents had made. And they said that if Jennifer didn't do this, they would lock her in a cage. The Turpin family moved again in 2010, and after they did, neighbors explored their home and found beds with ropes tied to them, dead animals, and feces all over the house. Which is obviously not good living conditions, and it's just terrible that these kids had to go through that. But then the family moved to Paris, California, where they all lived under one roof, so I guess that's a step in the right direction. And David got a new job there, where he was making a lot of money. The children were never allowed to look outside windows, so they were always behind closed blinds. And whenever they did go outside, in the rare circumstances that they did, they were told to never speak to anyone. But if a neighbor asked what grade they were in in school, they were each given answers to tell the neighbors so that it wouldn't seem suspicious because clearly none of them were in school. The children were also told that if they didn't stay hidden or didn't listen, that CPS would come and take them, which was true in this case because they were being treated very not okay in this house. It was not good living situation, but they twisted CPS to make it seem like it was just straight up torture. David and Louise told the children that CPS would starve them and constantly keep them in cages. So just a slightly worse situation than the one they're already living in. And around this time, Louise fell into a manic pattern of shopping sprees. She would buy and hoard children's clothes and games, but she wouldn't let her children touch them. Which is really interesting to me. I know that a lot of people um, can have shopping addictions to where it almost takes over their life, but the fact that she would buy children's clothes and not let the kids have them just seems like another abuse tactic to me. It's like dangling something in front of their face and not letting them have it. And due to Louise's spending habits, the Turpins went into a lot of credit card debt. And after not being able to pay off a whopping $240,000 in debt, the two filed for bankruptcy in 2011. And after this, the children would hardly be fed. Meanwhile, David and Louise ate fast food or frozen meals, basically whatever they wanted. And they said that they couldn't afford to feed the children because the children were stealing. Which I don't exactly know the backstory behind this, but I do know that because the kids were so hungry, they would go into Luis's candy stash and like steal some of her candy just because they were hungry. And I guess because of this, they were saying they could no longer feed the children. And whenever the parents were gone, 
this is so sad. The children would try to teach each other so they could learn something because they weren't allowed at school. And there were several instances where the kids would be out with their parents and they would look like a big happy family. But no one knew what was going on behind the scenes. By 2015, the Turpin children were fed up and ready to plan an escape. By this point, some of the older kids had smartphones because they were trusted, and they were so manipulated that they were too scared to do anything that would upset their parents. During this time, 14-year-old Jordan came across a Justin Bieber music video. And she constantly watched his videos online and even interviews of him. It was through watching these videos that she realized there was a better world out there than how they were living. When her parents were gone, Jordan would even make videos of her singing and post them online, hoping that people would follow her on social media. And she did get some followers, but eventually they started asking why she was always inside or why she was up so late. This is when Jordan started talking about her life, saying that she wasn't allowed to eat a lot eat a lot, or leave the house. Through social media, a person told her that this wasn't right and she should call the cops. And that's when it was really solidified for Jordan. One day in 2015, Jordan was caught watching a Justin Bieber music video by her mom. And as punishment, her mom choked her. This led to Jordan having nightmares that she was dying. She would wake up in the middle of the night knowing she needed to get out. So Jordan decided to start devising a plan that wouldn't come to fruition until two years later. She would go to her older siblings for advice, and Jennifer gave her tips that she had from when she previously tried to escape. Jennifer also drew out a map of what she knew the property looked like around the house. This was to help Jordan know where to go when she did escape. Jordan had also briefly seen the show Cops, which if you guys don't know what Cops is, it's basically just live body cam footage of police officers and all of the different people they interact with, the people they arrest, all kinds of stuff. So because she had seen that show, she knew that police would probably ask for proof. So she began taking photos of their living situation using her phone. And at this point, she was hiding her phone from her parents because they they had took it away from her, but she stole it back. In early 2018, Jordan heard her mom saying they were moving to Oklahoma, where they would keep all the children chained up. So Jordan knew this was her only chance. On January 14th, 2018, in the early hours of the morning, Jordan decided it was time. She changed into clean clothes and put pillows and blankets on her bed to make it look as though she was still there. Then she hopped out the window and started running away from the house. Jordan later said in an interview that if something happened to her, at least she had died trying, which is so brave. She's, I believe, a teenager at this point, so she's old enough to understand what's going on, but she's still very young and 
way braver than I could ever be. Once she was far enough away from the house, Jordan pulled out her phone that she had hidden and called 911. Jordan later recalled that she could hardly dial 911 because of how nervous she was. When asked where she was, she didn't know because she had never really been outside. But she found a stop sign nearby and the police told her to stay there and that's where they would meet her. Jordan told a second dispatcher that the reason she called them was because she didn't want her sisters being hurt anymore. At this point in the early morning, Jordan is terrified because she knows if she is caught, her parents will likely kill her. But the dispatcher is making sure to keep Jordan on the line throughout this whole phone call. And the crazy thing is that all of the older kids that had smartphones, they were all deactivated, which basically means they could only make outgoing phone calls to 911, so only emergency phone calls, which means if in this situation Jordan hung up, the dispatcher would have no way of getting in contact with her again. So the dispatcher is making sure to keep Jordan on the line, talking, and just giving them as much information as she can. So the dispatcher started asking her questions like how old her siblings were. And their ages at the time were 2, 11, 13, 14, 16, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, 25, 29... And Jordan was 17. So there are like grown adults living in this home. Jennifer is 29 at the time. So it's just insane to me. But when police arrived at 6.11 a.m., Jordan was extremely nervous. She had never had a conversation with a stranger and was afraid that the officer wouldn't believe her. But Jordan told the officer that her sisters were chained to their beds because they had stolen their mom's candy due to how hungry they were. The officer was a little skeptical at first because Jordan looked much younger than she claimed she was, and she was talking all over the place. The officer did ask Jordan if she had any proof, and of course, she said yes. She showed photos of her siblings chained up and clearly malnourished. The officer knew she was telling the truth at this point. By 7.30 that morning, the police organized a welfare check on the family and knocked on the door. Because this was a welfare check where a child might be in danger, the police didn't need a warrant, but they still had the decency to knock, and they knocked for about two minutes before someone came to the door. Both parents answered the door, seemingly confused as to why the police were there. As soon as police stepped foot into the house, it was clear they needed to get the children out of there as soon as possible. It smelled of human feces, dead animals, rotten food, and decaying garbage. The white walls were so dirty they were gray, and there was black mold on the shower floor, and the carpets were filthy. The officers split up, and one spoke with the parents while the other looked around and found the true horror, including one boy shackled to the bed where he had been for weeks. Many other children appeared to have been chained up until right before they arrived. So they're assuming in the two minutes it took for the parents to get to the door, they were trying to unchain the children. And the children were immediately taken to the hospital for wellness checks. And when they arrived, the doctors believed they were all under 18 due to how malnourished they were, when in reality, five of them were over 18. 
The oldest daughter, Jennifer, was 29, as I mentioned, and she weighed only 82 pounds. The children had heart damage, stunted growth, and lacked knowledge about who the police were, and they also had limited language abilities. The children were thankfully given food, clean clothes, and safe rooms in the hospital. Jennifer stated that the first time she felt freedom was when she was able to get up freely out of her hospital bed onto the clean floor and dance to the music that was playing. And that is like the most pure way happiness can be described and freedom can be described in my opinion. Like that is true, true freedom. And police did search the home later. And when they did, they found journals written by the children about their lives. They found out that the children were punished for even the smallest of infractions. They would be chained up, thrown across the room, or even pushed down the stairs as punishment. The parents were charged with 12 counts of torture, 12 counts of false imprisonment, 7 counts of abuse of a dependent adult, and six counts of child abuse. David was also charged on lewd act on a child under 14. So there's not much more details about that, but we can basically assume that some of the kids were being sexually abused by their father. And David was also charged with perjury for filing a statement that the children were attending private school. Luis's bail was set at $9 million and David's at $12 million. At the beginning, the two both pled not guilty. But on February 22, 2019, they changed their pleas to guilty. Two children spoke out at the sentencing. Their oldest son said, quote, I cannot describe in words what we went through growing up. Sometimes I still have nightmares of things that had happened such as my siblings being chained up or getting beaten. But that is in the past, and this is now. I love my parents and have forgiven them for a lot of things that they did to us. I have learned so much and become very independent, end quote. And their oldest, Jennifer, also spoke in court, saying, quote, Now I'm taking my life back. I'm a fighter. I'm strong, and I'm shooting through life like a rocket. I'm in college now and living independently. I love hanging out with my friends and life is great. I believe everything happens for a reason. Life may have been bad, but it made me strong. I fought to become the person I am. I saw my dad change my mom. They almost changed me, end quote. David and Louise also spoke at their hearing and David said he was praying for his children and hoping they would speak again someday. Louise apologized for all she did and said that she wanted to tell the children that mom and dad were going to be okay, like the children care at this point. Both parents were sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. And after being rescued, all of the children spent several weeks in the hospital. And once they had physically recovered, the six minors were put into two separate foster homes. Then, in 2019, five of the children were adopted into another abusive family. These new parents physically abused the children, forced them to eat excessively, and then forced them to eat their own vomit. So this is like the other extreme 
of what they were already facing. They were being underfed and now they're being overfed. And it's just absolutely terrible that this happened to them again. These new parents also physically abused the children. And the father was accused of assaulting the girls. And thankfully, the parents were arrested and the children were moved to another home after they had like a home welfare check. It was recently reported, too, that many of the children were being neglected by social services and that some were homeless. It was also found out that the funds that had been raised for the Turpin children were put into a trust that was controlled by a public-appointed guardian, and the children have still been unable to access these funds, which blows my mind because these kids were just put through literal hell for years, and they're not even getting access to the money that is rightfully theirs. And the public guardian that was assigned to them didn't help the children find housing or jobs after being rescued. She wouldn't even help them learn how to access their medical benefits or use public transportation. There were legitimate requests from the siblings to use the public funds, and they have been denied for no real reason. Luckily, the woman that was the appointed public guardian has been removed from that position. And the Turpin children also filed a lawsuit against the foster care unit for subjecting them to further abuse in another home. But it has not been finalized yet. That lawsuit hasn't. These children have full lives, full of potential, but they are still known as the kids that lived in a house of horrors. But many people, including me before researching this case, don't realize how much these kids are still suffering to this day. Thankfully, though many of the children are speaking out about what happened, they have hopes to travel, write books, and live long, happy lives. It's amazing to me that these kids, well, I guess now a lot of them are adults, but they can still have so much strength after this happened and they want to write books and like help other people. That's incredible to me. And the fact that they can do that just honestly solidifies in me that there is still faith in humanity because those are the kind of people we need, the people that are willing to help others even after being through something that is so, so terrible. But my heart goes out to the Turpin children. Even to this day, I am really hoping that they get this public appointed guardian situation sorted out because it is so unfair that they still are having to go through struggles even after being rescued. But that is all I have for you guys this week. Thank you so, so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks for sticking in there with me, even when it's just me by myself. I super appreciate all of you guys that are listening. We've had so much love on our most recent podcasts and it means the world to us. So keep listening. Keep sending emails, keep messaging us on Instagram. We love it and we will respond to every one of them. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at pod.theuglytruth and you can send us an email with a case request or just saying hey at pod.theuglytruth at gmail.com. Bye, you guys.